Hello and welcome to the Courageous Influence Talk Show where we have courageous conversations that help build people of courageous influence. I'm your host Alex Cutterford and I'm joined by my mate and pastor Caleb Dwyer. Good morning Alex. How are you mate? Very well thank you. How are you? Good to have you back. It's good to be back. Yep. I've uh, yeah I missed you last week. I don't know if you've listened to the episode yet. I was I have downloaded it, but I have not yet listened. I was like, there's going to be a lot of digs at Caleb, but <laughs> we'll get through it. We love him, so but we didn't go too hard. Did you? Oh, I look forward to listening to it. I downloaded it to listen to um, while part of what I did on leave, we had one relaxing week and then we had a, a, a full-on week where we've been doing some renovations on our yep. new house. Yeah, nice. And I intended to listen to it whilst renovating, but every time the drop saw went, I, <laughs> yeah. I missed bits, so I yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. threw the phone away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what what sort of floorboards did you put down? We put down floating floor. Ooh, yeah. Mm. What what sort of look? They're like a, a white and grey. Yeah, yeah. Sort of fleckled mix. Yeah. Is it's it a like fake a, timber? Yeah, yeah. Kind of. Look. Yeah. But I don't know that you could ever get timber that colour. <laughs> yeah. Maybe when it dries out, you know. Yeah. Like. So we had to neutralise everything because we had, um, you know, our walls are timber. Yeah. And then we had brown ceiling and exposed beams. Yeah. And it just felt closed in even though it was a large space yeah so lots of decisions being you know as, as happens with renovations you start and then you're like oh we can't do that oh we can't do that yeah. um so it was sort of six six days in a row doing 12 hours of physical labor i know why i work in an office yeah. my knees are absolutely custard now yeah. old footy injury <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and uh but anyway we we got through it it looks fantastic very thankful for our friends that helped us um you know, we're kind of at that point. What we wanted to do is the whole living area, get the ceiling painted out, the floorboards down, all that stuff that just makes it horrible to live around. Yeah. Smash that out in a week. So, because honestly, it would have been, I don't know. We also blocked off some stairs where it used to just be open. Yeah. Down and up and cold air would rush up and a little fire yeah. wasn't enough. So, yeah. we cleaned all that up. It would have been 12 months worth of Saturdays for me, what we smashed yeah. out in a week. And while yeah. there's still heaps to do, it's now, you can live around it. So yeah. it was good. Yeah, you got to do it. I, me and Melissa are both firmly committed to not renovating yeah. for the very reason of it's just really hard work. <laughs> well, we've renovated three times now. Yeah. And we, we said never again. When we moved to Bathurst, we're buying a new home. But it was the compromise to get us out onto yeah. our dream bush block. Yeah. yeah. And worth it. Yeah. Um, that's it. you got to make different compromises to work out which dreams are more important yeah, than right. others and all of that yeah but i was disappointed like with just with the power tools going i downloaded this uh i downloaded my favorite footy podcast because carlton had a win i was just going to enjoy hey. it. Hey. That, that's going to lead us nicely into where this conversation is no oh, doubt no. going <laughs> i'll end it lend in tears yeah. <laughs> so um what happened on the weekend mate oh mate well we're finally winning some games and, yeah. and after 10 to 20 years of not uh, it's it's so enjoyable on, on to listen to the footy podcast because you know you and I both we don't really know much but we're obsessed and yeah. um, love listening to footy podcasts but it's a whole another level of enjoyment when instead of they mention Carlton for thirty five seconds just saying oh, worst list in the AFL yeah. <laughs> no improvement still yeah like mm, let's get on to another team they actually talk about all oh, the growth and the wins and and then I thought we we're gonna get our like three wins in a row, and after the siren, and like I had my girls because we were, we were working on the floor at the time. Yeah, 
And I got my phone out. And we <laughs> we'd li- we had it playing like on the radio in the background. Yeah. And then we went and grabbed it. Oh, and yeah, realised, oh, we've got to watch this. Oh, we yeah. might be going to win, girls. And so we're watching the last three minutes and we are winning when the final siren goes, producer, like winning. And a guy takes a mark on the final siren, Robbie Gray. But I'm like, oh, that's a hard shot. He's in yeah. the right pocket, almost 50 metres out. He hasn't kicked well all day. Nails it, and we lose by three points. And <laughs> it was so good. That the only thing I enjoyed about it, which it's kind of a bit macabre, but just knowing that, yes, I have got my children as obsessed with me because we sat there, all of us just sat there with me holding the phone in silence for about That's 20 seconds, just going, oh, what, what just happened? And then I just threw my phone away. <laughs> and my daughter, Liza, goes, back to the floor, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. Yeah, so typical Carlton luck that you get potentially who they are calling – Port Adelaide's best player mm-hmm, ever, mm-hmm. kicking after the siren, who's the sort of person that even though he's had a bad day, he steps up when yeah. it counts and he's nailed a very hard kick, probably one of the hardest angles to be kicking for goal. Absolutely. Um, and so I was just looking and I, I was sort of – I didn't watch the game. I was just seeing little updates and stuff here and there. And then I saw that they had just lost and I was like, oh, no. And I was, But I was like, look – They've lost by a couple of points to the team that's on top of the ladder and going really good. And I was like, oh. And then I went and looked at the timeline of the score and I was like, oh, yeah, it was a good battle. And then I looked at the end there. I was like, that's after the siren. <laughs> it was heartbreaking. I was like, Carlton, Carlton, how, <laughs> how many times will you do this to yourselves? It's like the first time in I think it was 10 years. Or so. It's that long since we've been in the top eight during the home and away season. Yeah. And now we're back out. Yeah. And we would have been well in uh, anyway. But – you know, the commentators and so on have said in a season where Carlton's very unlikely to actually be pushing for the premiership, they haven't lost anything other than the four points, that you can see the growth, the development yeah. of the team. They're still definitely on the right track. It's just a little heartbreaking for uh, the Yeah, it's just such a tease, isn't it, because it's just it so is. close. And, it, and at that point, it was winnable. Oh. It's not that – because you can't just blame it on the fact, well, it was the best team in the comp. It's like you were there, you had it, just – one moment, and that's just the yeah. thing about footy, isn't it? It's just, it just comes down to moments. And I hate that all the footy shows are like uh, one of their lead segments for the week is the moment Carlton lost it, yeah. and, and they, they dissect the last two minutes. Yeah, and like, yeah. this is where it went wrong. Yeah, <laughs> he covered the wrong space and didn't yeah. get in front of him. At the yeah. end of the day, he pushed. At the end of the day, typically you'd call that good defending. He forced him right out into an impossible shot. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he did everything he sh- yeah. should have done. If he had have stood a little bit more in front of him, he might have led up the middle and right. they've centred it and then he's kicking from right in front. You know? Correct. Anyway. Oh, good, oh, good. So that's our armchair anchors as well. You armchair know, Pretending to be football commentators. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, that was tough. Ooh. Well done, producer. He plays a sound effect after the segment. That's new. <laughs> sound effects with late notice. It's, an af- it's like an outro. <laughs> oh, it's an, <laughs> it's outro. an outro. Good work. Um, yeah, so that was pretty shattering to watch. West Coast are back on track now as well. West so Coast are back on track. That's good. And we're back home in the yeah, West. Yeah. Hopefully we can just get cranky. I'm now. not worried about West Coast at all, I reckon. But, um, okay, so questions without notice. Mm. What is the worst stack that you have ever had? Like not on a, like sort of walking or running or something, not 
like on a motorbike or something? Uh, <laughs> that's a great question. Like I can instantly think of a few on a push bike, but you don't want push bike. Like it has to be no device yeah, involved, like just walking. Um, I actually can't think of any major like. I kind of nailed walking from the, time, <laughs> from the time I was about two and a half. I do I've right. got that down pat. You know, there's a few skills that I've mastered, but walking's <laughs> one of them. Walking I'm all right at. Uh, yeah, it's not a big struggle of mine. Um, I'm reminded because I had a massive stack yesterday. <laughs> walking. <laughs> yeah. Um, Please share. It, it leads into my fails. Uh-huh. Um, so what's happened is the boots that I have on my left boot, the heel has come off, like the sole part of the heel. Um, there's, oh, yeah, yeah, You know yeah. how there's sort of a few layers sometimes yep. and the bottom one's come off and so it's really slippery. I was walking out in the car park. Uh, on at a, work? Yeah, it was, I was over at Lithgow TAFE uh-huh. um, and I was walking down the car park and it sort of dropped down and turned a little bit and it was the, gra- the bitumen was a little bit slippery, the smooth. And so I've stepped on it, and it because it's missing this bit of heel, I have this gone. Oh no! <laughs> head over, slam! Oh. I've slammed down. I've landed on like my elbow on hand, my knee, and in my left hand was holding my phone, and it's just slammed as I've hit. And I was thinking, I've definitely just smashed my phone. <laughs> But it was all right. My, my phone was all right. My knee was a little bit sore. How was your pride? Also, <laughs> I looked around. No one saw. Yes. You beauty. That was the first thing Melissa asked when I told her. <laughs> Did anyone see? <laughs> <laughs> so I got very lucky there. But, um, yeah, so I, I woke up a little bit sore. But Actually, I've, ha- I've had a few stacks. I could think of the best one I've been involved in. It wasn't me. Yeah. It was one of my mates. Teenagers at the beach. Uh, you know, teenage boys at the beach going to the supermarket and there's three very attractive young surfy-looking girls busking at the front of the yeah. supermarket. And so we may have been slightly distracted for a moment as we entered the supermarket <laughs> and the, the glass door was yeah, opened. Yeah. And my mate was so distracted that he didn't realise he completely missed the glass door <laughs> and right in front of the girls went bang straight into a glass panel. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Uh, that that is brilliant. Um, and they stopped singing and laughed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just laughing in the microphones. Like everyone on the street turns and sees. It was so good. Uh, that's awesome. I um, one of the the places that has claimed many victims, not just myself, was when I was at school at Bathurst High. There's lots of steps, mm-hmm. and so on rainy days, like, and it has those sort of rubber yeah. sort of parts on the. Edge of the yeah, yeah the edging's thing. meant to actually give you grip, but yeah, it doesn't. No, nah. and so I remember I like stepped on the first step, my foot slipped off, and I just bounced all the way oh. down on my butt, <laughs> <laughs> down about twelve steps, like hit the bottom, just bounced back up and just kept walking. <laughs> and my mates was like, "Whoa, what just happened?" But that's claimed many of victims. Nothing worse than a wet day. You always see someone go stacking down those steps. But if you can land on your feet like that and just keep walking, don't yeah. look back. <laughs> yeah. Just like do the poker yeah. face, just pretend nothing happened. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. well. Um, have you had any? Oh, I guess Carlton's kind of your fail this week, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yes. Um, I feel like it's probably a slight parenting fail to. Have your children so obsessed with a football club that sucks so bad? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've signed them up for a lifetime. They'll mystery. build resilience. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping actually, you know, because it does turn in generations. 
I'm hoping that it's about to turn again and that the girls yeah. are going to grow up like I did as a yeah. young kid in the 80s. Yeah. Carlton won all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I'm hoping to give them that experience. And hopefully they have the memory of them really struggling and then they see them come in, then they'll really appreciate yeah. it. See, I've been pretty spoiled being a West Coast supporter. Oh, we, typically, we typically stay high mm-hmm. and we win premierships. Yeah, so. They're a great club, I, I yeah. admire West Coast. Yeah. So my question to you without notice... Mm. Uh, living out where we do now, I, especially in the mornings, I enjoy opening up all the curtains and watching the various wildlife interact with one another. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a bit of a narrative beginning in my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a little, and, and I was wondering, if animals could talk, which animal would be the rudest? The rudest. <laughs> <laughs> like, which one would just be that well, snarly, horrible? My, my first thought went to Wombat. <laughs> What <laughs> just a grumpy little yeah. nugget. That's <laughs> fair. Uh, yeah, I can't pick. Like, I don't picture kangaroos being rude. No, no they're fun. Emus are more goofy. Mm-hmm. Kookaburras are having a laugh. They could be like. Remember, we did have a emu war once. An emu war. We Australia declared war on emus, and the emus won. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can't Search just it leave up. it at that. Search it up. <laughs> Search it okay, up. there you go, folks. There's your homework for yeah, the week. Google it. <laughs> Google So, in my mind, with all the animals that I can see when I open up, there's, there's wallabies, there's kangaroos, there's um, what, birds, there's often our dog, there's goats, and there are uh, llamas. And they just have these wild-looking little haircuts, and one of them just looks like this arrogant, punky teenager. And he often just stares at all the other animals. <laughs> and in my mind, like, he's just been an absolute jerk every morning because he's grumpy. He doesn't want to... Who woke me up again? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, anyway. Gee, a moment in your mind. Wouldn't that just be amazing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing being one of your girls. and go, oh, Dad's at the back door again. <laughs> Look at those things. <laughs> They're staring at me. <laughs> I swear he's giving me the stink eye. He does. <laughs> Dad's losing it again. (laughs) He's Uh, talking with the wildlife. But it's funny you said wombat. I have a a story that we haven't done it so much lately, probably because of school holidays and stuff, but when we put the girls to bed, I tell them this ongoing story about their pet wombat called Waldo. (laughs) Waldo the talking wombat. (laughs) And Waldo gets up to all sorts of things. And he can be a bit grumpy at times. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. And they do do a lot of damage when they hit your car. Oh, yeah. Or when your car hits them. Yeah, um, probably <laughs> shouldn't blame it all on the wombat. Nah. Um, that's awesome. Um, this is us giving a picture into the mind of Caleb. It's been a bizarre conversation. So that's awesome. Um, well, maybe we should shift to some of the other brilliance from within your mind. Right. Have you got a life tip for us this morning? Yeah, one from Winston Churchill. Oh, nice. And he, he, well, he's the one that's credited to saying it that uh, fear. Fear is a reaction, but courage is a choice. Mm. And I like that. It's something I remind myself of from time to time for a couple of reasons. One is that fear is just a reaction. Yeah, You don't have to be down on yourself that you feel fearful about some things. Yeah, um, We can have this picture that, you know, courageous people just never fear. You know, mm. when I was growing up, uh, no fear. Remember no fear? Was, was it a brand or was it yeah, just a slogan? Yeah. It was I think it's a brand, yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember having stickers with no fear written on it and yeah. there's definitely brand there's clothing with no fear mm. and 
and you try and uh, you know as a teenage boy I was trying to live up to that and yeah you know, I knew it just wasn't the case mm. and so then as you begin to mature a bit and you, you understand how life works you actually know fear is a reaction mm. um, but I can choose to be courageous despite yep. my fear yeah and that's my choice it's a response rather than just a reaction mm. and for someone who had to lead through you know one of the most horrific times in history um, no doubt Winston had times when he was fearful but he chose courage and he inspired courage um in the people so yeah especially you know with this conversation being around courageous influence i think it's a great thought that people don't disqualify themselves from being a person of courage and influence because we feel fear at sometimes that's just absolutely that's a natural feeling it's a it's a reaction to what's happening around us but we can make a choice where i'm not going to be ruled by fear Mm. um yeah i um i made up some posters a while back just having a bit of fun with graphic design and stuff and I was doing I like just doing little word play things and stuff and one of them I was I wrote um, surrender to fear mm. and then I had a little thing saying what if the feeling of fear isn't the enemy yeah because wow. that very thing is we think like that fear is the enemy but actually fear is just the thing that's in between where we want to get to and it's an emotion that we're mm. feeling um, it's not something that um, it's in some ways, like, it's only as real as what you make it and it's only affecting you if you're allowing it to stop you. Mm. Um, but the fact that you're feeling it in and of itself, like, it's it's just one of those things of life that we can't get through life without experiencing fear and it's just highlighting, okay, there's something I want to get to. It's highlighting something within us. Maybe it's insecurities or maybe it's... Um, different stuff in within us and sometimes you need to stop and listen to that fear mm. and say, what's this fear telling me about myself? Yep. Um, because there might be something that you're believing that isn't true. Right. That It's the fear that allowed you to deal with it yep. because it's highlighted it within yourself. So, yeah, we definitely don't want to avoid being in situations that make us feel fear mm. because then we might not ever grow into all that um, we can be and, and achieve all that we can do if we... Just try to avoid it altogether. Yeah, and it heightens you, doesn't it? Like you know, on the most primitive level, you think about you see a movement in the bush. You think it might be a snake. Yeah. Instantly, you know, you've got that flight or fight response, that fear response. Yeah, and then your cognitive reasoning kicks in, um, which is interesting. Like it, it all happens so fast that you haven't even had time yet to reason, mm. and then you begin to attach meaning to what you're experiencing, and and is that a snake or is that just a stick was that a movement of an animal or is it wind mm. and you begin to <laughs> wind <Yeah. laughs> oh no on when what? you're in a classroom and you feel wind yeah that's, that's like some real fear that's real fear boy we could tell some stories about that one <laughs> yeah so you begin to assess it and i think it should be the same with life circumstances yeah, yeah, yeah. there's that natural response okay i'm now more alert but what is it am i understanding this correctly is it something that i've understood wrong like for example I have, uh, especially when I was younger, I had an absolute pathological fear of snakes to a to a crippling degree. Mm. I can remember as kids, it would have been late primary school, and we went to the Ballarat Wildlife and Reptile Park, mm. and they walked through the snake enclosure. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Whereas now I quite happily do that because I've actually learned and I understand a lot more that 
uh, I don't need to be anywhere near as snakes as I thought I was. They're not out there to get me. They're not attacking me. They, the bad yeah. dreams I used to have are getting put in a pit of snakes. It's, you know. Had you had a bad experience? Or I, think it was in, a I think it was Indiana Jones as a kid. Uh-huh. And they, he goes through s- pits of snakes and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I used to have dreams about it. Yeah. Um, and then we grew up on a little bit of property and we're always cautious. Yeah. Um, but, and it's probably the opposite. I've now had some experiences with snakes and realised actually, yeah, they're not out to attack me. Um, if I leave them alone, they'll leave me alone, etc. And handled them, and so I still have a very healthy respect for them, but nowhere near that just pathological fear. Yeah. So you're able to reevaluate and, and put different meaning to mm. that experience. And I think it's the same, you know, when we take it out of just that natural, simple thing. But in life, when we're we're facing a situation, we we feel that heightened sense of concentration and, and arousal that fear causes um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like say if we train ourselves to think that's just indicators of what's going on here, let's assess the situation, let's choose courage, uh, it might mean that, okay, I've, I need to bring a friend alongside me yeah. to help protect me. I need to get more information here. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit like pain. It's probably a longer conversation but I was listening to a podcast only last night while I was um, – getting ready for bed from Ravi Zachariah and he was talking about the purpose of pain mm. and that we can't just see pain as a bad thing and he told the story about a friend of his whose daughter had lost the ability to feel pain and the incredible, it's a, it's some sort of nerve disorder. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. And the danger because yeah. you could put a hand yeah, on a hot plate burning and burning your skin it's still doing the damage but right. you're just not feeling it, yeah. And so... Uh, that there is pain teaches us mm. and that yeah, there is actually it, – it's horrible. It's not like we – oh, well, great, let's go and embrace pain. Yeah. But it has a purpose in our life to, as a teacher yeah. and I think fear can be similar. And that's the very reason why when you have – and like we've talked about before, like when culture becomes like obsessed with the pursuit of pleasure, then be- pain becomes enemy number one. Right. Okay, in order to live out this belief system, I need to eliminate every source of pain. And then that gets you in all kinds of mm. sticky situations. It means that like when we talk when you look at the lack of the ability to have robust conversations mm-hmm. in culture, mm-hmm. that's because they bring pain. Mm. And pain is enemy. Pain needs to be avoided. And then all of a sudden now you can't even have um, debate and critical conversation happening because it, that's the enemy. So, yeah, it has all kinds of spin-offs when you lose the ability to understand fear and pain, doesn't yeah. it? And yeah. I think even as believers, if we, and you do hear this at times, especially in the Western church where we've we've lived through generations of affluence, yeah. um, and I wonder whether this coming generation, you know, with everything that's happening in the world now, is going to be a bit different. But we, we have... Um, not all of us, um, but there is a risk that you attach God almost like being a believer is about bringing blessing into my life and the elimination of pain. Mm. And yet, really, what God has for us is so much beyond that. Mm. And and if, if we see that as God's job, like, God, you're like this genie that's supposed to keep pain out of my life. Mm. Uh, we'll not learn things that he wants us to learn. We won't grow. Um, will be ineffective, but we also just have such a shallow relationship with him. Mm. Yeah. I, I find some of the most inspiring people um, 
people who have been through incredible pain. I wonder if I could just read something, getting a bit, bit deep, bit serious this morning. That's good, but I let like me, it. Let me read this. Um, this was written by a lady, uh, one of the most famous old hymn writers. I've just got to flick through all these silly photos of my renovations. They're good old hymns. They're good old hymns. You should see my music collection. It has punk rock eclectic to hymns. Mm. Here we go. Annie Johnston Flint. Have you heard of her? Have now. Have you heard of her producer? Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. Except for just then, but hey. So Annie Johnson Flint, she went through incredible trauma as a child, lost her parents, yeah, um, and then lived a life where she was really unwell, had health problems her whole life, ended up with incredible arthritis, was crippled up in a ball, um, and whilst in, in phenomenal pain towards the end of her life, she wrote these words, He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labour increases. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, he multiplies peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed, ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. Fear not thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Learn hard, lean hard on the arm, everlasting availing. The Father, both thee and thy Lord, will upbear. His love has no limits, his grace has no measure, his power no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> There's a modern take. Phenomenal. <laughs> when you know the story, that was not written. Mm. from a woman in a moment of victory and affluence but in a moment of deep pain yeah. but that was a revelation mm. of God to her in that moment that his goodness and his faithfulness and his gentleness and his comfort would carry her through that season yeah. I find that so I find that just as inspiring as when I hear stories of God completely coming through and transforming yeah. the situation which he can yeah. do and he does but but that you know, that he carries us through those painful mm. seasons. And it's it sort of touches on that um, idea that Paul talks about, of, you know, where sin abounds, um, grace abounds even more. Mm. And where, you know, where little, when little forgiven, you know, you love little and, and appreciate it more. And the, the more that God has brought you through, the more that the love response requires right. from that, you know. So... There's so much that comes out of, you know, deep pain. The deeper, often, like the deeper the pain that you've experienced, the deeper the restoration and the beauty that can come out of it mm. um, if it's worked through and healed and stuff like that. So and even just that relationship, like if we can all trust God when things are good. Yeah. But, but when things are difficult, you're no longer trusting God because of his power to bless, but because of who he is, his character, his heart, and, and it causes you to really lean into him rather than what he can do. Yeah. And I, I think, so, you know, none of us want to wake up and go, Lord, give me pain today. Yeah. <laughs> or, Lord, give me fearful situations today. But as believers, I think we shouldn't be running away from those things, but our faith 
uh, and our relationship with Christ should inform how we live through those things. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, this will all lead in well to what I was going to talk about, and that was the power of acceptance. Hmm. Um, because so much of the pain that we feel in things is because we're really resisting and not wanting to come to terms with the fact that it's happening and it's a reality. And so when we resist it, often that's the very resistance of it that's causing the pain, whereas um, this idea of acceptance, accepting something in a situation for what it is, mm-hmm. without and not in a victim way of just sort of feeling like you're rolling over to life sure. and I surrender, I just accept this is my lot in life. It's not that. It's just accepting this is happening. It's not going away. Mm. Uh, what am I now going to do about it? Mm. And it and it can happen in really little mundane things and really big things of life. And even this the other day, I'd finished work and I was just, you know, just really tired after a long day of work and had to go straight from and so and Melissa was sick all last week. So this meant, you know, all the little bits and pieces of life you're picking up. Yes. And so you sort of or in the morning cleaned up the house before work, went and worked, after work had to go do the food shopping. And so by the time you're done doing the food and you're like, and I was, you know, when you hit that point of tide where you just start to feel a little bit sad because mm. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're just like, you're this loser and, and you're just like, you're just feeling sad. And it's like, and I just remember I was just like so tired and you're just ready to this like, you could so easily just pack it in and just be like, I'm done. But I just remember I was just I was in the car, I was leaving, I was like, hey Alex, you're just a bit tired right now. It's all good. Yep. Just embrace that you're tired. And I did. And it just totally, a lot of it, you think it's the tiredness that's making you feel raised, but it's just because you've lost a bit of concentration to really keep yourself in check. And, yeah, I just totally, and I just came to peace with it. I was like... I'm just tired. It's all good. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. That's emotional. Chilled out, and then I was like, "Now I don't need to." It takes you start feeling like you're in a rush and stuff. Yeah. When Ashton's like, "I've got no deadline. I'm just going home now." Yeah. Go home. We'll get some dinner on. It's all good, and just accepted it, and it totally took away the pain. Now, if I had have been resisting the fact that, oh, I'm so tired, I just want to get home. I just want dinner on the plate right now, so I can just sit down and eat. And you start resisting it and it creates a pain. And because you're really tired, you just get sad. And you'd probably just end up in a you know, ball. I don't really cry too much, but if you were more of a cry, you'd probably just start crying <laughs> because you're just resisting this tiredness. It's a bit disappointment, isn't it? Yeah. The expectations, unmet expectations. And so if we mm. live in a, this, if we expect God to create this bubble world for us mm. where we don't go through those hard days, that it, you know, it just sucks. It's just a tough day. Yeah. Then we think, and we can over catastrophize mm. and over spiritualize the whole thing, or something must be massively wrong. Like, I, yeah. need to, I shouldn't be feeling like this. I need to change something in my life. Yeah. No, we just need to expect that some days suck. Yeah. They do. Yeah. And not, again, like you say, not in a rollover or that I expect my, you know, but hyper positivity, I don't think, is actually real. Mm. And the idea of expectation, like, disappointment is when I expect something to be like this. And my reality is like this. And that area of disappointment is where all sorts of frustration can live. And you see this, one of the places I've really seen it is uh, doing work in developing nations. And you see these little kids 
who are maybe only getting one meal a day. They've got to walk miles to go to school every day and they're happy. Yeah. But in their world, and I'm not saying that's okay, I'm not saying we leave people in that situation. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but because there's an expectation that that's what life is, there's no room for disappointment in that. Yeah. Whereas if I suddenly told my children, you only get to eat once today and you've got to walk to school, yeah. <laughs> be like, what? What? Yeah. Right. And there's, there's, there's a very different set of expectations. Right. Yeah. And so to be realistic in our expectations, not I'm not talking about being pessimistic, I'm not talking about not believing for better, I'm not talking about not having dreams and hopes, but a realistic expectation that appreciates that we will go through pain, mm. we will experience fear, there will be bad days, and it doesn't mean that something's wrong. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I've got to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm. It means that I'm experiencing life. Yeah, and that. And so what it means is, well, one thing means people need to stop hammering young people for not being grateful for what they've got because they've been hammered with the messaging that you can achieve anything, do anything, whatever thing you want to do, it's going to come to you. Mm. So they've been – we've given them those expectations mm. and often haven't they haven't been equipped with the reality of how long it's going to take to get there and, and all of that stuff. So that's one thing. Um, but it means whenever your expectations rise – you need to, in proportion with that, be raising some other things like self-awareness, right. acceptance of where you are right now um, to be counteracting that, that rising expectation because you want expectations to rise and you want to you know, hope for great things and dream for your future. And it's just important to, as you do that, remaining really present and aware of where you are right now and accepting that, being okay with that, um, as you push yourself forward and as you raise expectations for what life could be. Mm. Um, and if you can carry those two together, yeah, it means you can enjoy the journey as you go to great places yeah. rather than just getting caught up in that. And yeah, it's interesting. I like that thought about, like you said, the young people. Thinking about your kids is, or, or young people, if you don't have kids, is a great probably model to try and wrestle with some of this thinking because there is that, Narrative, you know, you hear, oh, you're going to be a world changer. Well, sorry, like most of us live an average life. That's what makes it the average life. Most people live like that, right? And it's a great life. Um, But at the same time, we don't want our kids not to have confidence, not to believe for better, not to believe they can bring change into the world. And so, yeah, it's trying to have... Uh, both and and so yeah being pragmatic about it and going okay well you've got that dream but what do you need to do and and, and you've got to expect some disappointments along the way and some challenge along the way and mm. it's resilience too isn't it yeah. yeah that's one of the things i often think about is how i heard apparently ida buttros who's now the head of the abc yeah she was recently giving a speech and she didn't think it was going to be recorded and i don't know if it was recorded or just reported on but she made uh some comments about what she's finding is that the younger generation, like when she started out in the media industry, if you didn't hear from your boss for six months, that was a good thing. Yeah. That meant he's staying out of your way and letting you do your job. Yeah. And in her day, the boss generally was a guy. So that was all good. She said now she finds that even the young employees, like they constantly want a pat on the back. They constantly want encouragement, acknowledgement. Um, she goes, it's almost like someone want a hug. <laughs> and her point was not to be just critical of, the current generation yeah. but it was this 
um, the shifting expectation where there is that need for constant yeah. encouragement and her concern is that there's a robustness and a resilience that we're not teaching our younger generation yeah. that often like a lot of the older generation that had that they had some really unhealthy coping mechanisms as well yeah. and so thankfully we're addressing some of that as as a society and that's a good thing yeah but how do we still help build a sense of robustness yeah. into our young people at the same time. And I think that's a it's a good question without wanting to be critical of any generation. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's understanding the filter they're looking through because, like, I was listening to a, a leadership podcast um, and they were talking about that with the way, like, say, boomers were raised in terms of the way they even just look at leadership and stuff and the way that you work and operate versus um say more millennial and younger mm-hmm. like they've been taught and it's the message has always been around the idea of team working within mm. a team <clears throat> things like this you don't just carry something to yourself you're you're all working together and it's the that's just the way that we look at stuff because we've come to understand all the benefits of it yes but what it does mean is that you then don't develop all of those same skills of this working independently right um, and so then when all of a sudden you get into the workplace and you've got someone that's maybe operating with a different worldview of leadership and the way you, you operate, they're off doing their thing, they're like, sweet, and then they just feel like they've just been dropped in this black hole of going, what are you, what's going on? We're meant to be working as a team here. Like yes. you, you're meant to be giving me feedback on, okay, yeah, that's good. Let's, okay, let's change that up because that's how they've learned mm. to operate. Mm. And so it can sometimes, what looks like a resilience issue is actually them just, this is just how they've been taught to operate. That's a really good thought. Yeah. Mm. Um, Especially that and then it ties in with it because then when they walk off, then it does trigger all these insecurities. Right. And they're going, oh, am I terrible? Like, have they given up on me? Am yeah. I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? What's wrong with me? You know. Yeah. That's really interesting. Mm. So it's, it's just clashes of people not understanding one another, yeah, triggers insecurities, confirms to them, oh, they're just a pile of in, in unresilient, yeah, <laughs> spoilt brats. Yeah, um, they're just going, oh yeah, they don't care about me at all, and whether I do well or not, and yeah, and then misunderstandings. Yeah, and that's where communicating to understand in that situation is so yeah. vital, isn't it? Hey, yeah, you don't have to even agree because you're going to see the world differently according to the generation you grew up in and the environment. But if I can at least understand, oh, okay. It's not that you can't do this. It's that you've learned and grown a- in an environment where team is so highly valued, mm. certainly, as you say. And, and it's, a, it's a slow progression. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. But if you looked at a boomer where individualism, you know, that get out there and make it happen, small business, the, the success story is the one that got out there and made it happen on their own yeah. as opposed to what would inspire um, a millennial would be very much about a team, an organisation that grew together. Yeah. Um, you know, collaborative cr- thinking. Collaborative and, thinking yeah. that created change within the culture, not just one standout business. Yeah. Uh, very different way of thinking mm. and doing. And so you can see in the workplace that that's going to cause some issues. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so we've, we've probably finished off Luke now. Mm. It's been a couple of weeks since we yes. caught up, so... Um, yes, we finished. Woo-hoo. I think yesterday or maybe today is the last last couple of verses of Luke. Yeah. 
Um, so we can probably sort of bring it bring it to a close with our final thoughts. So I guess we can yeah chat about the final a little bit next week. Um, so did you have anything standing out to you? Yeah, I look. Every time I read uh, a story around Peter and the cross, I just think there's so much in that. It, it's uh, and and the whole the whole narrative through from Peter. Um, you know, I'll never. If everyone else might abandon you, Jesus, but I won't. And then we all know he he messes up. And then there's that conversation with Jesus afterwards on the the, the lake, and yeah. and then through to Acts where you see Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. And I just love that story. It just shows the story of you know someone doing things in their own strength, failing, uh, coming to restoration in Christ, and then Holy Spirit beginning to work in them and sanctify them and the change. And there's lots of things you can pick up. There's changes in Peter's language when he has the conversation with Jesus on the beach. And, you know, pre his his mess up, he's like, even if everyone else fails, I want, then Jesus is like, do you love me more than these? And Peter's not like, yeah, I do. He's just like, you know I love you. Like it's no longer about this comparison thing. And, and then I love the fact that, again, in Acts when he stands up and, addresses everybody it says you know peter filled with the holy spirit and you can see this sanctification change and this courage that's not of him but it's the work of the spirit of god in his life and i love that whole thing and every time i read it there's there's new things i i get recently um uh, i preached a message and, and it just jumped out at me again as i read it where jesus actually says to peter uh it's chapter 22 verse 32 it says i have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and what an incredible thought that I pray for you that your faith may not fail. Like you're going to fail, but don't let your faith fail. Mm. It, it's a really cool thought because not as a let myself off the hook for carnality and just living however I want, but just the reality being human, I'm going to fail. Mm. Caleb's going to mess up. But how about when I mess up, my faith doesn't fail? Mm. A little bit like we talked about, you know, even in pain and fear – that our faith continues, even in failure, that my faith would continue. Yeah. That even when I've just messed up and blown it and I feel embarrassed and shame, maybe a great, you know, when I've really blown it, I think a great um, litmus test for my faith is how do I respond in that moment? Do I respond the way humanity did in the Garden of Eden pre the cross and run away from God? Or do I understand the power of the cross and run to God? Mm. Um, and I, I want to I want to pray that prayer over people who I lead. I want to pray that over my family, that over my kids. You know, as they grow up, they're going to make mistakes, but that when they when they fail, that their faith would not. Mm. Yeah. That they would know that they can always run to the Father. Yeah, it's sort of what helps make sense of like the idea of David being a person that was committed as someone after God's heart. So mm. like the guys had affairs. The guys, <laughs> right. it's like. Uh, <laughs> come again? Read the story? <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah, and it's getting to that whole point. Um, mm. Faith is different to failures, you know. Right. Um, your faith isn't purely indicated by whether you stuff up or not. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Are you turning to God? Right. Are you bringing that to God? Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Are you working on those things and trying to understand why? Yes. Yeah. Are you covering up with fig leaves and self-effort and, and lies and pretense? Or are you just being real with God that you know 
hey God, I've failed, but my faith hasn't. Yeah. I still believe in you. I still believe in your sanctifying work. I believe that your Holy Spirit is with me. You haven't abandoned me. I believe, you know, I absolutely believe that my sin has been paid for at the cross and I'm going to stay in this. Yeah. I'm not walking away. I'm not making excuses. I'm not putting fig leaves yeah. on. Yeah. Um, but our faith would not fail when we do. Absolutely. And that's just such an important thing for people to hear that there is a distinction between faith and failures because I was just even listening to this podcast the other day and it was talking um, about this guy that really had to break off of himself a lot of lies and shame that he was carrying and he was living this life of just so many lies upon lies upon lies because of all this hurt that he had. Um, and he was talking about, like, so he'd, he'd become an alcoholic and he'd, he'd become a Christian along his journey but then he's, but just couldn't, get past this alcoholism and he's to the point that he's out the front of the grog shop um, and he's weeping in the car because he doesn't want to go in and he's praying to God, take this from me, take this from me. He sat out the front of it for two hours crying, wrestling, not wanting to go in but just being pulled in by this addiction and he, said, and he ended up going in mm-hmm. and, he, and it just piled on more shame on top of him. Um, and it's like all that to say, it's like, and he had to come to then understand why this addiction was there. Right. And these failures. And, and, and we just, if we connect directly, if I fail, I have no faith, that's just going to pile on more shame on us and we're going to keep failing in things that we're trying to work mm-hmm. through. But if we can then go on the journey of recognising, okay, just because I've failed doesn't mean I have no faith that can start to, that's just one of the layers of shame that can get taken off us to Mm. then start working on our life and building and growing as people. And we can start to grow in those areas and find healing and stuff because there's all kinds of reasons why people are failing in different things. Right. When we realise that our life has been stamped forgiven, Mm. then all of a sudden I don't have to pretend that I've got it together. I don't have to pretend that this thing's not an issue. In fact, I now live in an environment of forgiveness so I can bring these things up and we can discuss them and we can try and get to the bottom of what the real drivers are. Because so much of what we call coping mechanisms or the Bible might refer to as idols, there are lies in our thinking or our meaning that we've attached to things that are driving that. And just working harder and harder in self-effort and even prayer and all those things doesn't always fix it. You've, you've actually got to do the hard work of letting Holy Spirit and other people yeah. um, speak into that and, and help us understand it. But yeah. if we're living in an environment where I can't be real about it, or like if I admit that I'm battling that, then clearly I haven't got God in my life, mm. we can never bring it. But that's yeah. a whole point. God wants us to go, no, hang on, you live in an environment where you're stamped with forgiveness given it's dealt with at the cross in terms of punishment eternal punishment in terms of being right with god that we can have a relationship with him now the process of sanctification can begin in that environment and when you're in an environment of forgiveness the process of sanctification that is my my daily life actually beginning to reflect the reality of heaven that i am forgiven Mm. Um, when I realise that that is the environment I live in, I'm free to bring those things up. I'm free to have yeah. conversations. I'm free to be vulnerable. I'm free to be real. And 
And then my life can begin to reflect that more and more as we get to the bottom of things, as Holy Spirit is able to work in me more, as people are able to pray with me. You know, uh, what a great thought where we can be so honest and vulnerable with some friends where if there's something we're really struggling with, and it doesn't have to be some big, ooh, you know, it could be as simple as, oh, uh, I get, you know, maybe I lose my temper too much or I, um, you know, I have a tendency towards anger or I have a tendency to block things out and just binge Netflix. Really cool thing is, I reckon, when you've got a group of friends that go, hey, don't just ask us to pray for you when you failed. Let us know when you're struggling. Yeah. Like, let's get ahead of the game. Let's be so real and vulnerable with each other that we can actually admit when we're being tempted mm. and, and pray for each other at that point. It's like, that's such a healthy place to be. But because we can have this idea that, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to get it all right, we don't ever want to admit things until we absolutely have to, which is, the point of failure. Yeah. But what if we can actually just admit our humanity before that? What if we can just be honest about it? Yeah, that's still a temptation for me. I'd really appreciate your prayer in that, guys. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, that was I was listening to a podcast the other day and it was talking about um, having, a, having a plan to not have an affair. Right. Like planning how you won't have an affair or something. And it was just talking about those very things of there's things in life that we can – put the work in beforehand mm. so that we never get to those points. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's yeah, all kinds of stuff that can be unpacked there. But if you're living in an environment of shame or an environment of performance, you can't yeah. – I can't be honest that I feel attracted to that person. I don't want to, you know, re- respond to it because, oh, the shame. But if you realise, no, I live in an environment of forgiveness, yeah. I can be real about that yeah. and it protects from so much pain over yeah. You can talk yeah, talk about it before it's become anything and, and that releases the power of mm. it. Um, yeah, yeah, that's really good. Um, what about you, mate? Well, I won't go too deep into all of the – some of the different things that I looked at just because we'll finish up soon. But um, in chapter 20, 20 to 26 – um, just looking at how Jesus was really good at avoiding conflict and diffusing situations. And mm-hmm. so uh, keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies who pretended to be honest. They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said so that they might hand him over to the power and authority of the, governors, of the governor. So the spies questioned him, Teacher, we know that you speak, the, uh, speak and teach what is right and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So this is them trying to catch him out. Mm. He saw through their duplicity and said to them, show me a denarius uh, whose portrait portrait is inscription and inscription are on it. Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. They were unable to trap him in what he had said um, there in public and astonished by his answer, they became silent. And Jesus has had this amazing and beautiful way. Whilst he was never afraid of conflict, he was also just really good at getting to the root of things rather than getting sucked into people's games. Mm. And often what will happen for us, even if we know someone's trying to suck us in, we just go for it anyway just because we just want to be right. triggered us and now we <laughs> want to get at them and it, this brings conflict that's not going to actually bring anything of substance. 
I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> the producer. The producer. <laughs> you know, producer, parents watch this and listen to this show. <laughs> so now they know that you've been cracked. Mm. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> um, I'm not going to talk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, and so what Jesus has managed to do is identify what they're trying to get mm. and he's been able to address that without compromising mm. himself. Yes. And so he's he's been able to separate what they're trying to achieve. Um and they're trying to they're trying to catch him one thing, mm. he's gone and caught them in another. Just because they were the ones coming with the false motive. So I just think it's a really powerful thing when we're able to not engage into people's games but also not violating ourselves and right. our own beliefs. And if we can find that balance and, um, and it takes real confidence mm. to be able to sit in an environment where you know someone's trying to catch you out mm. and at the... You're both trying to not just shut them down just so that you can win, but you're also trying to preserve your own convictions, stay true to yourself and your conscience. And I think it's just a really powerful skill that we can develop um, in a culture that struggles to have robust conversations. Mm -hmm. If we can find that balance, um, I just think it puts us in a really good position to have fruitful conversations with people that could actually bring about a connection where they were trying to just catch you out. Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, trying to trying to de- determine is this a genuine question? You know, like what what's the motive behind it? And that would often indicate how Jesus would respond. Mm. Um rather than say jumping straight in. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. He he was the master at it. And I think it's just wisdom, especially um you know, we live in a time where in the West, cultural Christianity has certainly died out. Um, and there's good and bad sides to that. But certainly one thing we just have to be aware of is that we need to be wise in the way we respond. Mm. And there are times when people are actually just looking for a gotcha moment. Yeah. And we shouldn't just be playing to them with this blind, well, I'm going to speak the truth. Well, sure. But boy, we need wisdom as well. Yeah. And Jesus was brilliant at that. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks, mate. It's good to have you back. Yeah, it was good fun and really great conversation. So hopefully everyone has enjoyed that. Make sure you you follow us on Instagram and Facebook on our Generosity Church Bathurst page. You can of course find us on YouTube at the Generosity Church page and on Spotify, the Courageous Influence Talk Show. Bye for now. Hooray.